Welcome to today's issues. Join us for the next hour as we offer a Christian response to the issues of the day. Here's your host, Ed Vitagliano. And welcome to today's issues. Wednesday, April 21st. I'm Ed Vitagliano. As the guy just said, I don't know who that guy was, but he introduced me as the host. Actually, Walker Wildman's going to be doing most of the hosting today as I am getting over uh, some sickness. And I know that's not important to anyone other than people who know me and are sitting in my immediate vicinity. Uh, uh, Joined by Walker Wildman. Good morning, Walker. Good morning. You know, this time of year, the weather is is bipolar. So uh, yes. <laughs> the, the sniffles come this time of year. And uh, so totally, totally get it. Yeah. And then uh, we have Chris Woodward, news reporter for onenewsnow.com. Good morning. Fred would love this kind of weather. Yes. Fred Jackson, our, our Canadian resident. It's Canadian. like springtime in Manitoba. <laughs> yes. Springtime. Yeah. You know, up, up north, when it, when it gets to be in the 40s and 50s, they start wearing shorts yeah. and a t-shirt. <laughs> yeah. Because it's, it's summer for them or it's yeah. warmer. Uh, Chris, t- tell our listeners a little bit about One News yes. Now. Yeah, onenewsnow.com uh, is the print ap- operation of American Family News. Now, at the top of every hour on this here network, you hear American Family newscasts, and onenewsnow.com is where most of the stories that you hear on the radio end up in print. We also have a ton of uh, additional comment from both the Associated Press There is a latest from the web section that involves uh, links and headlines from other news outlets. We have political cartoons, as well as uh, columns from a number of people that you might recognize their names or faces. Uh, Michelle Malkin, Ben Shapiro, Robert Knight, a host of uh, many people that you hear and uh, see on this network as well. All right, Chris. Well, uh, don't forget to check out onenewsnow.com to our listeners there. Also, you can visit our website, AFR.net, American Family Radio's website, AFR.net. A lot of great ways to listen there, and we also have the mobile app that we mm-hmm. like to push. Uh, go to your app store, just type in AFR. takes you a couple minutes to download, very easy, uh, and it's free, so you can get the podcast or listen to live programming there on your mobile device. Well, Chris, we got a busy news day. Yes. Let's go ahead and get us started. All right, well, the top story that everybody's talking about, ESPN even has an article on this today. It's the uh, verdict in the trial of Derek Chauvin, the former Minneapolis police officer, That was found guilty yesterday of second- and third-degree murder for the death of George Floyd last year. Chauvin was also convicted of um, second-degree manslaughter by a jury of his peers there in the Minneapolis area. Now, speaking of the jury of his peers, a lot of people are talking about today whether or not the jury was pressured into ruling the way they did. Uh, Based on comments from a number of people over the weekend, especially like uh, Representative Maxine Waters, President Biden also spoke ahead of the verdict yesterday, saying that he was praying for the right verdict and that he thought it would come down the way it should and uh, things of that sort. And of course, this brings us back to a bit of audio that we played yesterday, but I want to bring it back in again. This is the judge in the case, Peter Cahill, Uh, talking with Derek Chauvin's attorney about Maxine Waters' comments, and the judge said that the remarks from the representative uh, could be grounds for overturning the whole thing once we get on appeal. Now that we have U.S. representatives uh, threatening acts of of, uh, of violence in relation to this specific case, uh, it's it's mind-boggling to me, Judge. Well, I'll give you that Congresswoman Waters may have given you 
something on appeal that may result in this whole trial being overturned. But what's the state's position? Now, yeah. you know, I, we talk, We played that again yesterday. Obviously, uh, like everybody, has the right to an appeal. Mm-hmm. Chauvin's attorney is going to appeal this case, and we can get more into the legal um, situation there perhaps later in the show. But I do have some more sound. This also has a lot of people talking today. Speaker Nancy Pelosi yesterday gathered with the uh, Congressional Black Caucus, and Pelosi seemed rather thankful uh, that George Floyd sacrificed himself for justice. Uh, she actually used the word sacrifice, clip two. So again, thank you, George Floyd, for sacrificing your life for justice, for being there to call out to your mom. How, how heartbreaking was that? Call out for your mom. I can't breathe. But because of you and because of thousands, millions of people around the world who came out for justice, your name will always be synonymous with justice. Now, if you didn't watch the event, she's at times looking heavenward. It's yeah. like she's making these remarks. It was very, now, it was very was, odd. Yeah, that was odd to, to, to put it mildly. You know, this this uh, George Floyd didn't wake up that day thinking I'm going to be sacrificed for some kind of political movement. Um, so that's a, that's actually inappropriate for the House Speaker to try to uh, use George Floyd mm-hmm. as some kind of social justice movement. Um, you know, Ed, that there's there's I'm actually reading mixed reviews on the trial and whether you know whether the charges were appropriate or not appropriate, and we can actually ask Abe next hour mm-hmm. uh, his opinion because he used to be a former prosecutor. Um, but Ed, it, it's hard to see. You know, they everyone claims that the standard is that the jury is supposed to be able to make decisions on the charges without outside influence. And with this case, though, it's hard to see how the jury could not be influenced, even the slightest, by outside pressure. Yeah, and that doesn't even have anything to do with uh, whether or not the case that the prosecutors put forward is strong. I mean, I think all of us looked at that video that nine minutes of uh, uh, of Derek Chauvin with his knee on George Floyd's neck, and you look at it and you go, "Wow, I, I, you know how how does that happen mm-hmm. in you know in the world t- today?" But you're right. the The way the system is supposed to work is you're not supposed to have influence on the jury from outside sources or intimidation. Listen, we've all all probably seen mob movies <laughs> uh, in the in the past, or movies involving organized crime figures, where the jury is intimidated into making a decision that the, that the mob or the drug cartel wants them to make. Mm-hmm. And we all watch those kinds of movies or those television shows, and we we understand that's not right. That's not the way the system is supposed to work. But I think. I think this is going to help Derek Chauvin's appeal Yeah. because, to your point, I don't know how the jury – it would have been difficult enough for that jury to to stay focused on the case and not be influenced by what was going on around the world without Maxine Waters and Nancy Pelosi making those – and President Joe Biden making comments Mm -hmm. about the case and what what is supposed to happen. Yeah, and, you know, I'm not – I'm not saying that the charges were were inappropriate or too strong. I don't even actually know enough about the details of the law to be able to give a sound opinion, and that's why we're going to ask Abe. But I will say this. No matter what you think about Derek Chauvin, 
and his the, his knee on the neck for nine minutes, which is completely inappropriate to put it mildly. That um, the the rioting, the looting, and the burning down of Minneapolis mm-hmm. in the days and weeks following, and even the stuff that's been going on this week. If if that is now okay, then I'm afraid that at times that is now going to be the driving influence on juries because if if you the, what what it's sending a message to is what the way it's sending a message is if we can get enough people riled up if we can get enough elected officials into town to speak on this then we can sway a jury because we all know mm-hmm. and this is probably going to go on appeal the pressure that that jury had and you could say well they weren't supposed to watch the news but come on right i mean the, the conversations were being had at mm-hmm. night at their homes about how I'm going to rule, what are the consequences of this ruling, it's just a bad place that our country needs to be in where there's any question about whether a jury was influenced. Mm-hmm. I don't know. With with every case like this that comes along in this day and age as a broadcaster, I don't know that anyone anywhere can ever really have a fair trial anymore because there's so much knee-jerk reaction well, and Twitter lawyers and whatnot that weigh in on these. Well, things. I think here, here's the main. I think here's what we can conclude from this: the rioting and the looting and the destruction of private property served absolutely no purpose, right. no noble purpose moving forward. Mm-hmm. Because Derek Chauvin, I would bet, would probably be guilty of these charges, if not something very similar, without the rioting, the looting, and the Maxine Waters in, inciting violence. Uh, because the jury, this. Americans know, they look on this, like Ed said, and they know that that officer shouldn't have done what he did. And and that's pretty, I actually t- said Monday, I haven't heard anybody defend the officer's actions. I've heard people say, well, did he really cause his death? Mm-hmm. Uh, but nobody defended the officer's actions. So I think what we can take from this is that the rioting, the looting, and the destruction of personal pro- private property should be denounced by the media and the Dems, Democrats, even mm-hmm. though it hasn't to date moving forward because we can't start this this standard where it's okay to burn things down if you're not happy. And I, I think that the, the the Democrats' perspective on this is that this case involving George Floyd and Derek Chauvin, who was on trial, okay, is uh, the tip of the iceberg because, as the president has said, our country is systemically racist. Mm-hmm. I mean, how else can you interpret what Nancy Pelosi said when she was talking about it? And it was just bizarre, her comments about George Floyd sacrificing himself for justice. Well, she's making a broader claim than just this one case. And so you have the Democratic Party now positioning itself as the party that claims our country is systemically racist, and then it is just a short hop and a skip to saying mm-hmm. our country's founding yeah. is racist. I'm not sure the Democratic Party wants to be in that spot and have to defend that position, but that's where they've positioned themselves. Yeah, and, and even Keith Ellison, the attorney general from Minnesota, had a press conference, and the, the Democrats actually had disputed, uh, or they were disputing themselves. They mm-hmm. were they were not consistent in their messaging yesterday. Well, Keith Ellison, the attorney general, which is a left-wing political hack, he said, well, th- this isn't justice. He said this is something else, but this isn't true justice because justice means that you're, you know, you're, 
things are set back to how they were before, which is not really how I understand justice in the traditional sense, but they're wanting to springboard from this, to your point, Ed, they're wanting to springboard from this and say, well, this isn't enough. I mean, we're hearing it now. Right. The president said it yesterday. Yeah. This isn't enough. Yeah. Uh, they're wanting to springboard to something that is not good. Some might say, many would say, it's good that the officer faced the full force of the law, but the Democrats are saying, that's not enough. We need to defund the police. I've, I actually have some sound here. In the event no one saw the president's remarks or heard the president's remarks yesterday, I do want to play this because I don't want people to think we're we're interpreting the president in any uh, specific way. We're not. Clip three. It was a murder in full light of day, and it ripped the blinders off for the whole world to see the systemic racism the vice president just referred to. The systemic racism is a stain on our nation's soul. <clears throat> the knee on the neck of justice for black Americans. Profound fear and trauma. The pain, the exhaustion that black and brown Americans experience every single day. The murder of George Floyd launched a summer of protest we hadn't seen since the civil rights era in the 60s. Protests that unified people of every race and generation in peace and with purpose. Missing from that statement was the acknowledgement of all the destruction, the rioting, and the looting, which took place, and people branded it as protesting, which it was clearly was not. Yeah. Yeah, the, you know, the, the, the Democrats are going to use, and this is really, the, the, the Democrats should be roundly rebuked for using tragedies, human tragedies, for their political purposes. And that's all they're doing. That's all they're doing. That's why, you know, we saw the video, Ed, on Twitter where Al Sharpton, I mean, this is, this is astonishing that these people have, that they have th so little shame. Al Sharpton's walking to his private, probably multi-million dollar jet, mm -hmm. private jet, to fly into Minnesota and cater to the to the race baiters. Uh, when he, he, these people that go into Minneapolis, that go into these cities and actually try to basically hijack these families, like uh, the, the Benjamin Crump, the attorney, mm -hmm. um, all they're doing it for, from, from at least the perception is that all they do is go in to stir things up and for money, and then they're out. Yeah, uh, because you know there was a, a, a case of a I don't remember the the, uh, the young person's name, uh, and was it Black Lives Matter wanted to get involved in that case? It was a police shooting, and then they found out it wasn't a person yeah. of color. Yesterday we talked about mm -hmm. that. It was it was uh, it was a white person. It was a white person been so involved they, they, in the they, altercation. They weren't they weren't interested in it. Yeah, because there is a particular narrative that they have that is more important than mm -hmm. everything else. To your point, it's more important than the actual victim. Yeah. In this case, like George Floyd, it's more important than, uh, uh, you know, listen, I, I have to take the word of uh, black people that I trust. I remember, <clears throat> excuse me, remember Senator Tim Scott talking about when he first went to the Senate that how many times he had been pulled over mm -hmm. by the police. They didn't know who he was, right. but they pulled him over. And I, I understand there's probably something to the the driving while black uh thing i i, I would imagine i'm i have never had that happen to me being a white person okay i would imagine that black people are intimidated by that they do get frustrated with that why are you pulling me over i'm a law-abiding citizen mm -hmm. and there may be some fear in that okay i'm not discounting any of those things 
what I'm saying is that when you say there's systemic racism and the appropriate response is rioting, looting, burning things down, attacking police as if all police are Derek Chauvin. Right. Okay. Nothing good's going to come of that. Yeah. All right. Nothing, nothing good. There's that recent example as well here in the last day or two mm-hmm. of the, and I will probably get to that, uh, that case of a young black girl who had a knife, allegedly had a knife right. and was allegedly attacking two other people. And the mm-hmm. policeman showed up and shot her. And now the protests start again. Okay, well, what's the cop supposed to do? Right. You don't want police freezing in the midst of difficult circumstances. And, and, and so nothing good is going to come out of this narrative that America is systemically racist. And the only alternative, which is where I think this is headed, is to burn it down. Right. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And, you know, you can, to your point, that th- there can be, people can point out uh, injustices or times where officers don't act appropriately. I mean, I personally, I've been pulled over. When I later find out, the officer actually had no reasonable cause to pull me over. He claimed my tag light was out, and my tag light wasn't out because I checked it when I got home. So there are times where you're like, so where you can say they pulled, I got pulled over for literally no reason. Mm -hmm. Uh, And that does happen sometimes. But the question is, when there are inappropriate actions by law enforcement, what do we do about it? And and the, the left's, when... Some people will say we need more accountability, we need better training, mm-hmm. we need better quality officers. The left, at Ed's point, they say burn it all down, which as everyone knows, and even you, you survey people in these inner cities, they say t- burning, uh, disarming the police, getting getting rid of the police is only going to make matters worse. Yeah. Talking about the Ohio case, I pulled it up here. This is USA Today's coverage of it. But they say, in an unprecedented move, police in Columbus, Ohio, showed some body camera footage of the fatal shooting Tuesday of 16-year-old Micaiah Bryant, who was black, as she appeared to attempt to stab two people with a knife. The shooting, which happened about 20 minutes before a guilty verdict was announced in the trial of Derek Chauvin for the murder of George Floyd, prompted hundreds to protest at the shooting site and outside Columbus Police Headquarters last night. Interim Columbus Police Chief Michael Woods says the investigation still needs to be completed to determine if the actions of the officers were justified. But people are talking about this today as uh, cops acting inappropriately. You you know, in that case, what what, what was out of the ordinary, as far as I understand, was the speed with which, this was Columbus, Ohio, Mm -hmm. was the speed with which the police released the body cam footage. Yes. It's like they were trying to keep the rioting at bay. Normally yeah. it but, takes days. Yes, to it get takes body days. Cameras. And that's yeah. being positive. You know, right, uh, right. Yeah. So that, that to, to your point, Walker, it seems like that's what now police are having to deal with. we gotta pre- we got to prevent the city from being burned down right. when a policeman takes lethal action. Yeah. Yeah, and you know this, I think Matt Walsh put this out on Twitter uh, late yesterday, early this morning, about how many of these officers are being put in a lose-lose situation. And this Ohio case, to your point, Chris, uh, just setting it up again, mm-hmm. we have, from what we see in the video, we have several individuals fighting mm-hmm. each other outside of a residence, and their skin color is really irrelevant. Until you can prove, until you can prove to me that the officers are racist officers and they make decisions based on skin color then that then skin color is is irrelevant until you can prove that and that hasn't been proven really 
in any of these cases, even the Derek Chauvin case. Yeah. This officer walks up to this to this dispute, domestic dispute, which is actually some of the most dangerous situations mm-hmm. officers are in. And one of the individuals, a 16-year-old female, has a knife and is going for the neck, what it appears, going for another individual pinned up against a car. And the officer discharges his firearm. And uh, so that, but but to Matt Walsh's point this morning on Twitter, the, the summary of, of Walsh's statement, and he, he works for the Daily Wire, he's a conservative uh, mm-hmm. radio host and commentator. He said if the officer would have hesitated and not stopped the stabbing or the fight, then the left would have said, he's racist. He did not intervene here because it's black-on-black crime. Right. And so thus the officer is racist mm-hmm. and he needs to be charged. Well, the officer did the opposite. The officer protected the victim here, discharged his firearm, neutralized the threat, and now they're still upset about the situation. Yeah, I, I, I would be shocked if we don't, see a day and age where you see like a big push for police officers having to replace firearms with taser guns. There are already cops with taser guns in addition to firearms. Uh, But let's say they just completely replace all their firearms with tasers or with something that fires rubber bullets. At some point, they're going to get into a situation where clearly the taser or the rubber bullet gun doesn't do enough to stop something. And then we're going to see people saying, you know, what are we funding police for? They, you right. know, they can't defend us or protect us. Well, the the case there in Ohio that you're talking about, and more information um, will come out. Mm-hmm. That case, you know, one thing that doesn't get discussed, which is, it's beyond me why the media doesn't discuss this, and I think we all know why. But why aren't we talking uh, in in general about why why do we have seven individuals having domestic dispute out in the front yard what what's going on in their life is there fatherlessness is there broken homes mm-hmm. is there drug abuse is there spiritual problems is there a sin problem which we all know the answer to that that needs to be talked about cnn needs to have family experts on and psychologists talking about what are the effects of fatherless homes you're right so that we can as a society start to put our mind around and our hands around the root causes of much of this. Well, there's, these there's two reasons. Now, USA Today, again, uh, reading from them, they point out that Micaiah Bryant was in the foster care system and in the custody of Children's Services at the time of her uh, death there. Uh, but also, I think news media mainstream broadly, uh, they don't really care about uh, the issues um, at the core of the story. They care more about what's going to drag you into the story, get you to click on the article, yeah. get people mad and angry, so that way you'll come back to the article to read the next big coverage of whatever the next big event is. News media um, really doesn't help uh, in, in cases like this. They want to they wanna get you in by the controversy, and rarely do you see the stories like you just mentioned about why is it people are fighting in the well, front yard. Ed, it's... Uh, the separate topic, but similar, uh, CNN, we, we played the Project Veritas videos last week, but I mean, this CNN, a key uh, a technical director within CNN on Project Veritas videos said much of what they're focused on is either propaganda or what Chris talked about, just getting people drawn into the story. Yeah, and I think that's why uh, stories have come out here recently about media coverage of COVID, mm-hmm. for example. Uh, and it said the, the statistics said that while European media 
had both good and bad about the battle against the coronavirus. Mm-hmm. In the U.S., it was almost all negative. Okay, and th- and that was part. Uh, I think part of the agenda there was to focus blame on President Trump. Right. But yeah. also, we do seem to have a morbid um, a- a- emphasis on uh, disaster. Negative news. Negative news. Yeah. So good point. Today's issues: American Family Radio. First segment down. We got uh, Chris Woodward in studio with us. Edward Tagliano and I'm Walker Wildman. Don't forget to check out our website to listen live to the show. We'll be back in a few minutes with more news. Next time on Today's Issues, our guest will be Jan Markell of Understanding the Times Radio. We have watched America rush to socialism, and I'm compelled to keep my audience apprised of our approaching loss of freedom and, quite frankly, the rush to tyranny that's going on. We'll also have news headlines and analysis from American Family News. Don't miss the next Today's Issues, weekday mornings at 11 Eastern, 10 Central on American Family Radio. What would it be like if every person knew that they were created in the image of God? After two years in the making, American Family Studios proudly presents In His Image, delighting in God's plan for gender and sexuality. There are only two sexes, male or female. If you're conceived with a Y chromosome, you will develop into a male. In His Image is a documentary featuring life-changing testimonies of former LGBT individuals. In my most formative years of development of sexuality, I went through a brutal time of uh, sexual distortion, molestation. Visit InHisImage.movie to watch In His Image. Well, everybody, welcome to this unboxing video as we unbox. My hormone blockers. In His Image from American Family Studios is available now for free viewing. Visit InHisImage.movie. You're made in the image of God. Hello, Americans. I'm Todd Starnes with news and commentary next. Are you looking for a university that provides a quality Christian education with excellent academic and athletic programs? Well, I want to invite you to visit Liberty University, where they offer multiple visiting opportunities to fit your schedule. Plan a visit to their Central Virginia campus and stay for an afternoon, a day, or an entire weekend. You can also take a virtual tour from the comfort of your own home. Plan your visit today by texting "Go Visit" to the number 49596. Again, that's "Go Visit" to the number 49596. There is unease and unrest around the nation after the Derek Chauvin verdict, the ex-Minneapolis police officer convicted of killing George Floyd. He faces nearly three decades in prison. Activists say justice still has not been served, and I would tend to agree, but for a very different reason. I'm not so sure he got a fair trial. Everyone from Maxine Waters to the White House had already rendered a verdict. Ms. Waters strongly hinted that anything other than a guilty verdict would result in an all-out war. One local newspaper even threatened to release personal information about the jurors. In other words, unless you find the man guilty, the mob will burn down your city and dox your families. So what happened in Minneapolis does not sound as much like justice as it does a human sacrifice. Be sure to read about this story and more at ToddStarns.com. You're listening to American Family Radio. Here's a thought from Scripture. Be kind and compassionate to one another, forgiving each other, just as in Christ God forgave you. 
This is today's issues. Email your comments to comments at AFR.net. Past broadcasts of today's issues are available for listening and viewing in the archive at AFR.net. Now, back to more of today's issues. Welcome back to today's issues on American Family Radio. I'm your host, Walker Wildman, Ed Battagliano sitting in with me today, and Chris Woodward bringing us news headlines of the day for discussion. Also in with us is Abraham Hamilton, the third general counsel and host of the Hamilton Corner, heard each weekday at 5 p.m. Central. Abe, welcome to the show. Good morning. Thank you, Walker. Ed, good morning. Chris, how y'all doing? Morning. Good. Yeah, doing well. Glad to have you on and get your, get your input on some of these topics. Uh, Chris, let's circle back to this uh, this Chauvin case and set, up, set this up for Abe. Yes. Uh, now, he was found guilty yesterday of three charges, second and third degree murder, uh, second degree manslaughter, and the death of George Floyd. Uh, I think I already know the answer to this question, but do you think uh, he will appeal? Yeah, when you have a, um, and this is not unique to this case, when you have a conviction for a felony like murder, uh, rights of appeal are automatic. You know, so um, he will have, if he can't afford one on his own, he will have an appellate attorney appointed to him, and there will be an appeal filed. Now, just because a, an appeal is filed doesn't mean that the the appeal automatically has should be conferred merit upon it. It doesn't mean uh, that um, it will automatically be granted, but it's kind of par for the course in uh, criminal criminal law practice. Abe, I, I want to ask you this because uh, m- many people are looking for a little more clarity on this case. In your opinion, as a former prosecutor, What's your overall view of the case in general and the charges as far as whether the charges were justified or not? Just give us a little more of your input on that. Well, you you had the charges that were presented. Uh, they were litigated in, in court to a jury of Derek Chauvin's peers for over 45 witnesses over the course of three weeks. Uh, I, my, uh, I said this on the radio, my personal assessment uh, was that I thought that the, the prosecution, uh, increased the difficulty of presenting its case when they added the second degree murder charge. Uh, I thought the original third degree murder charge was one that more accurately fit the facts of the case as I understood them. Uh, but a jury after hearing testimony, uh, from both the prosecution and for the defense, they had, uh, fact witnesses you had expert witnesses you had scientific witnesses you had medical doctors who gave their opinions on the case you had the medical examiner who conducted the autopsy on the case and after hearing all of the evidence as presented the jury uh concluded that they they unanimously concluded that Derek Chauvin was guilty and so uh in our adversarial process uh where due process is a right afforded to all charged parties after that due process was afforded to Derek Chauvin, the jury concluded that he was guilty on all counts, being persuaded by the evidence presented at trial. Uh, Abe, uh, as, as mentioned, uh, you are a former prosecutor in both Houston, Texas area and New, uh, New Orleans, Louisiana. How, how difficult is it? Now, obviously, I'm sure no case that you have, were involved with um, reached the 
heights of media attention that this one has Mm -hmm. around the world. But how difficult is it to have, in your opinion, and and nobody knows what's in the hearts and minds of the jury, but how difficult is it to have a fair trial when you have this amount of media attention and then you have the President of the United States, the Speaker of the House, you have Maxine Waters, very prominent um, a, a Democrat congresswoman from California and one of the main voices uh, backing Black Lives Matters, uh, Black Lives Matter, all talking about what they believe the outcome should be before the, the decision by the jurors. How, how yeah, hard I, is that? Well, I, I, I never had a, a, a case that had this level of media attention, for sure. I, n- I never handled that personally. Uh, but, but frankly, a part of that is the responsibility of the lawyers during the jury selection process. Uh, that is, in my opinion, the most important part of the trial that doesn't get any attention. Uh, because if you don't have a, a jury who can objectively decide the case based on the evidence that is presented before them in the courtroom, then you, you're going to have a jury who is influenced by, out, by outside sources. And so some, some, it's somewhat of, of a misnomer because the, the judge's job is to ensure that the, the, law, the law is followed. The attorney's jobs are to advocate vigorously for the v- various parties that they represent. And the prevailing notion is that in the vigorous adversarial advocacy that takes place, then we end up because jury selection is not really you don't select jurors. It's actually a process of deselection. Mm-hmm. You, you try your best to expose uh, the biases that are hostile to your case. Uh, in this instance, if you are the prosecutors, you want to want to uh, expose uh, potential biases people may have in favor of police officers that would cause them to automatically give police officers a heightened level of credibility simply because of their occupation. Then conversely, Derek Chauvin's attorneys uh, would want to do the opposite, want to reveal those who are uh, biased against police officers for for uh, their occupation. And that's just one example uh, going both ways. But there are numerous other examples. And in the process of exposing them, you want to reveal the biases that would prohibit or impede those potential veneer men uh, from following the law. And or if you cannot reveal that there there's an inability to follow the law, which in response, you would use what's called a strike for cause, which shows that for the, in this instance, these people can't follow the law. Uh, then you would also have the usage of a peremptory strike that even though the bias may not necessarily impede their ability to follow the law, it is a bias that would impede their ability to be neutral and objective jurors in the process. And so uh, that is a part of your job as uh, the litigants in the case as attorneys. It's a challenge. Uh, but it's a challenge that has to be met full on, and you know what you sign up for when you take on that that type of representation. All right, so just one one quick follow up: uh, the, the prominent political figures I mentioned mm-hmm. coming out and making comments before the jury had made, uh, as far as we know, decided uh, on the verdict. Does does that help the appeal for Derek Chauvin? Um, you, you know how, how much weight would be given to the fact that you have the president of the United States, for example, and others talking about what the jury basically should do. Yeah. So the, it, you're going to chuckle when I say this, but maybe yeah. <laughs> uh, in order to, to aid the appeal, the attorneys, the appellate attorney for, in this instance for Derek Chauvin will have to prove 
uh, that the jury was influenced by. So then you go to the next, well, how do you prove that? Right. Uh, it, it, it's not one of those things where you can say, well, they said it, so we know that this affected them. Well, you have to show that. You can't just make that assertion uh, and, and, and make that conclusion. And more than likely, uh, the, the judge is going to make instructions, offer orders, uh, as I know was done in this case, that they're not to follow the media, they're not to watch the things on television, so on and so forth, so that they can have their focus exclusively limited to the trial. Now, obviously, uh, they're not going home with the jurors, so right. uh, they'll have to trust that the jurors are, are obeying them, but there will be a process uh, upon appeal where Chauvin's attorneys will have the opportunity to try to find out, where jurors, were you looking at other stuff? Did you violate the judge's instructions to not listen to the media? Were you influenced by, you know, uh, Maxine Waters uh, encouraging the crowds in Minnesota to uh, become more confrontational if Chauvin is not convicted. And so it could. Uh, but what in, in my experience, most of the time when those things are offered, uh, the jurors, the, the, the litigants are not able to show that the jury actually was persuaded by that uh, in coming to their conclusion. They're going to actually reveal that, no, it was the, over three weeks of the trial. The testimony that we saw, uh, this particular expert witness was very compelling in my views, et cetera, et cetera. All right. Chris, you got one more thing? I do have a question. Um, we live in a day where a lot of people go out of their way to try to find a reason not to have to do jury duty. <laughs> do you Bad think idea. a case like this will result in people just trying to get out of jury duty from henceforth, not wanting to be in a case like this or even risk being in a case like this? Uh, frankly, I don't think this case is going to change that. People try to get out of jury duty <laughs> for a number of reasons, yeah. which I, I if you if you get the opportunity to serve on the jury, I, I wholeheartedly would encourage you to respond to that. Yeah. Our justice system crumbles when we don't have the citizens in our country uh, who serve as the, the judges of the facts. That's what jurors are. Yeah. The jurors are the ones who uh, are judges of the fact. The judge in the black robe is the judge of the law. But jurors serve as judges of the facts, and we need uh, citizens in the American uh, in the, uh, the American system to participate and play their role, so that we continue to have a, a system where uh, those who are accused of crimes, those who are accused of civil offenses, they are judged by a jury of their peers. Yeah, yeah, that that that's very important. Eh? I'm glad you glad you you uh, emphasize that. My wife Lexi, she she had a jury summons in recent weeks and you know at first she was a little you know I, i'm gonna have to miss work etc cetera, etc cetera. but after the fact she ended up uh the, the jury didn't even didn't even get to hear the case the the uh mm -hmm. the defendant or whatever uh, he he pled guilty before the jury even had to meet mm -hmm. but she she was in a selection process or a deselection as abe mentioned and and after she came home and said you know that was actually very very good very good very beneficial yeah. to play a part in that and uh, so, yeah, absolutely. If you can uh, put play a role in the in the in the judicial or uh, process, that's a good good thing to do. Thanks, Abe, for coming on. All righty, thank you, guys. All right, thank you. thanks, Abe. All right, Chris, what's the next story? Well, something else uh, <laughs> that people are talking about a lot today is the reintroduction of the Green New Deal. This is something that Democrats uh, since 2018 have been pushing for uh, since they took over after the uh, 2018 election. So yesterday, Representative Alexandria Ocasio-Cortez, Senator Ed Markey, and other Democrats gathered for a uh, reintroduction, and they say this uh, Green New Deal, which is a huge bill with all kinds of packages to do all kinds of things to combat climate change, as they call it, um, 
They also said it's now going to address economic injustice. Clip seven. The Green New Deal also, importantly, recognizes the systemic cause of climate change. Because while climate change is a planetary crisis, it is not caused by an environmental or random, uh, it does not have a, a random or environmental genesis. It's not just human caused, it's societally caused. Cli the climate crisis is a crisis born of injustice and it is a crisis born of the pursuit of profit at any and all human and ecological cost. Walker, the entire time that we've been on this earth, we have been told that our use of fossil fuels is contributing and causing man-made climate change. And yeah. now she's saying that uh, climate change is racist and the reason there's problems in the world is because of climate change, which society caused, not humans. Yeah, you know, number one, half of what you said didn't make any sense. It so did not. It's, it's hard to comment on stuff that doesn't make sense. <laughs> but the second part is, you know, one, one consistent theme of the Democrats and their worldview is that man, man is only responsible for certain things that they view as bad. But everything else, man is not responsible for. It's the system, and it's their circumstances. So if you are, uh, you know, in a conflict with the law enforcement officer and you pull out a firearm and you're shot, well, that's the officer. That's systemic racism based on the police department, and, 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 and the, the, the criminal, the suspect, it doesn't bear any responsibility for their actions. But if it's climate change, then we're all responsible, right? Because we're driving our big uh, mm -hmm. trucks, putting out carbon emissions, and we're burning the ozone layer, which is disputed science, um, or is not settled science, rather. So it's interesting how they pick and choose mm -hmm. which, which issues uh, bear personal responsibility and which ones don't, Ed. Yeah, and I, I got to say, my first comment about what Alexandria Ocasio-Cortez said is going to be a little mean, okay? I admit, this is going to be mean, because she always sounds like she's been breathing helium when she talks, <laughs> okay? She does. I, I, I couldn't listen to an entire speech from someone uh, like that. I did it for you. Okay, so that, that, that's a little mean. She can't help the way she, her voice sounds. Okay, now let's, you know, the, the, the substance of what she said, Walker, your point is well taken. There, there's not a whole lot of substance, except for... The uh, underlying ideas behind it, which she did communicate when she mentioned in the desire for profit at any cost, because she's a Marxist. That was, that was a Marxist idea. It is cultural Marxism as well. She's targeting capitalism mm -hmm. as being the part of the systemic cause. And then to your point, Walker, cultural Marxism says you understand human problems by looking at systemic uh, forces. So this, this is, I don't want to open up a can of worms here, but let, let's talk about Jim Crow laws for just a brief second, okay? Yes, there is a systemic issue when you have a society that passes laws that, says, that say blacks can't drink at white water fountains. Okay, I'm oversimplifying it mm -hmm. just for the, the for the discussion mm -hmm. we're we're having. But my question is, why do people in power pass laws like that? 
okay? The, the, the cause is individual sin. Yes. And individual hatreds and individual bigotries and prejudices. And then when they get power, they put those kinds of sins into laws. That's why I disagree with this whole narrative that the Democrats are running, which is that white people are evil, okay? Because if history had decided differently, I'm using that being vague here. Mm -hmm. Obviously, history doesn't decide things. God does. But if history had decided differently and it was black people in charge— of Western civilization and black people who came over to this country and black people who set up the government and it was black people who got white slaves, then you would have had black Jim Crow laws because the issue is not race. The issue is sin. Yeah. And people will use the power they have to oppress others and take advantage of them if they can get away with it because that's human nature. Yeah. That's sin. That's human fallen nature. And the skin color doesn't determine whether or not someone's going to oppress somebody. Yeah, and, and, and until you address the sin problem, the human nature problem, until that is addressed, then until that is addressed, addressed none of these, these issues are going to be solved or even, are even going to get improved. I mean, ultimately, we're all fallen, so there will always be a sin problem. But the, the actions that people like AOC are wanting to take in the name of fixing problems will actually only make things worse. Because as we've seen throughout human history, America is basically, it is the best system of government for the most people. And it is set up in a way where no matter your background, your skin color, you can thrive if you work hard. Some people are born into better situations than others, but we hear story after story about people who are born into poverty, Mm -hmm. born without both parents, born into terrible situations, and they worked hard, they had a good work ethic, and they worked themselves out of their bad situation and into a better situation, and that's only possible with the the system of government and the Mm -hmm. economic situation that we have in America. I, I, I would even go so far as to say this. That I don't, I cannot think of another nation on the planet currently or in history that was founded like the United States and basically said, you can come from whatever nationality you want, from whatever race you want, whatever, whatever your, your creed, color, religious belief, whatever, you can come here and we can agree on X, Y, and Z and we can build a society together even though we're different, right. okay? Other society, I, I can't think of any society who, is, who has done that. Most societies that are successful are homogenous. They're all pretty much the same, and you have some minority groups tossed in. You can even, this is, this is the promise of America, you can even have arrived on this continent because of something evil like slavery and have gone, and for black people who have gone through all that they've gone through, and if we can agree on these ideals, you can even come out of that darkness mm-hmm. and succeed. Yeah. Okay? I, I've never and, – and, and, and that means that unless this country returns to God, who is the glue that has held this country together, mm-hmm. unless we can get back to God, this, country, this experiment will fail. Yeah. Because these countervailing forces, if we don't agree on – 
something substantial like the Christian worldview, where we can come from all kinds of backgrounds. If we can't get back to that, I don't see how the country will survive. Yeah. Because you have these competing forces who have their own uh, view of what's right and what's wrong fighting with each other, and we won't agree on anything and we'll splinter apart. Yeah. Yeah, and that's why as Christians we, we, we want to focus on the sin problem and having God intervene in our lives and basically change our lives to the power of the Holy Spirit. Mm-hmm. That's our focus. That's what we want to talk about. That's our goal here at AFA. Uh, but people who don't believe in God, who reject God, all they want to do is fo- focused on, focus on man-made institutions and how those things are going to make things better for people such as more government. Oh, sure. And speaking of more government, I have one more soundbite here, Brent, that I would like to play. Uh, I got some reaction to the Green New Deal stuff yesterday from Joel Griffith. Uh, He's a fellow in financial regulations for the Heritage Foundation. And Joel told me that the Green New Deal is about one thing, power. Clip eight. What it would do would concentrate more power in the hands of the federal government and the central planners, which at the end of the day, that's what they want. They want more power, and it would succeed in that. And there is virtually no benefit in terms of preventing global warming or climate change. Now, if that sounds familiar, it's the same thing people told me two years ago when I got reaction to the Green New Deal. Uh, And I guess two years from now, if they're still pushing this thing, we'll probably hear the same stuff. Uh, But certainly... Um, just to give you some examples, I mean, they're talking about new new public housing. They're talking about changing uh, the kind of cars we drive, uh, the electricity that we use, the electricity we have no other choice but to use. Right. Okay, it's not providing us an option, and we pick and choose what we think is best. Hmm. It is, uh, you must do this in the name of saving the climate, or we're going to, you know, accuse you of you being know, a terrible person. You know, I'm going to go a step farther than just criticizing these terrible ideas, but... It is, in, in, in many instances, it is becoming clear that many in the Democrat Party are not interested in building America and making America better for the people here. They're more interested in this globalist ideal, and I think that's becoming more and more evident. And the reason I say that on this topic is I watched a segment with uh, a Kudlow, Larry Kudlow, which is now a host on Fox Business, and he was talking about how many of these policies being put forth by the Democrats, and some of them are actually becoming reality through the executive branch, they are actually helping the rise of China. They're helping the rise, and this has been going on for decades, but more specifically this year, these regulations that are hampering American businesses, American manufacturing, American corporations in the name of climate change or going after, you know, big corrupt business is Mm -hmm. the way the Democrats frame it. They're actually helping evil countries like China, helping them rise economically to basically be competitive with America. So, you know, their policies sound so self-righteous, but when you look at the results of them, they're actually not righteous at all. And you know what's, uh, to me, is clear? that if it wasn't for the constitutional protections that we have in the Bill of Rights and the fact that there are still a lot of Americans who understand those protections and want to keep them, uh, and so so th- there are, whatever the percentage is, there are those who don't understand the way our Constitution mm-hmm. works and don't understand about the Bill of Rights, but there's still a lot of people who demand that we keep those rights. I have no doubt that the Democratic Party 
would have long ago subjected us to the United Nations. Yeah. To, uh, in terms of guns, for mm-hmm. example, mm-hmm. in terms of health care, and uh, in terms of a half dozen different things, we would already have been subjected to the United Nations because they are globalists. And sure. there have been a lot of globalists in the Republican Party mm-hmm. as well. Uh, there was a lot of things about uh, President George W. Bush that I liked. I did not like his some of his globalist tendencies. Yeah. And I have I have little to, to no doubt that this these policies with Green New Deal, so on and so forth, will help China because they carve out an exception for China because they're still considered a developing country. Right. And, and uh, so that's only going to help uh, China, which is a a violent, communist, oppressive country. We've talked about the fact that there are people who uh, criticize the the changes in law in Georgia for voting, yeah. but then support China with their businesses, uh, and China allows no voting at all. You know, and I think that I think that is the uniting factor amongst some Republicans and many Democrats. You know, we wonder why 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 are there rhinos? Why are there Republicans in name only? Why are there establishment Republicans who don't believe in half of the Republican Party platform? That's because they lean towards globalism. Mm-hmm. Yes, and we we saw George Bush's statement. Uh, George W. Bush's, the, 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 the second Bush, his statements this past w- weekend where mm-hmm. he did an interview where he basically went after the Republican Party, the, the, the modern-day Republican Party is being nationalist and nativist and, and criticizing their America First policies. Why? Because he views it as, he views America as being needing to be more globalist right, and needing to adopt more UN-type yeah. policies. Today's issues, American Family Radio. Thanks, Chris. Thank you. All right, Ed and I will be back in a few minutes with Steve Jordahl. Stay tuned. The views and opinions expressed in this broadcast may not necessarily reflect those of the American Family Association or American Family Radio.